Hi everyone, my name is Antonia Dominguez and I'm Linda Coogan and you're, you're listening, listening to Wine, the, the long, long and the short of it. In this episode, we're going to answer everything you want to know about wine. Part one. Part one, that's right, because there is that much to cover that we might have several episodes. But basically, uh, Linda, you and I over the years have been asked A million questions. endless <laughs> questions about wine by friends, by family, by colleagues. Um, so we want to address all those niggling doubts and questions that you have about wine and hopefully help you to to understand wine a little bit better and, you know, to make better, choices. Yeah, better choices when yeah. you're choosing wine. So this is part one of many, I'm sure, because we can't answer everything today, but we will do our best to deep dive into as many little topics as we can. One that is really, really common and popular. Go on, what is it? Yeah, let's dive straight into it. Uh, Contains sulfites. The question I'm always asked, you know, what does sulfites mean? Is that the reason I get a hangover? So what's your take on that, Linda? Don't drink a wine with sulfites. Just don't do it. It'll kill you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, that is not the right answer. Okay, so contain sulfites is a huge topic. Every single wine contains some sort of sulfites because it is a natural byproduct of the fermentation process. And it's in every wine, organic wine, natural wine, every single wine will have some sort of sulfites in it. So, you know, you just need to drink up and enjoy and uh Sup up. Sup up. <laughs> Sup, Sup up, up and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, yes, you're right, Linda, because every wine has sulfites. Even natural uh, wines have sulfites. Um, they are naturally occurring in the environment and they are byproducts of the fermentation process. So they're impossible to avoid. Um, I know that uh, there are people who, who have certain conditions like asthma that... Uh, that, you know, whereby the condition will be aggravated by extreme levels of sulfites. And obviously, you know, that 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 represents a very small proportion um, of of what we're talking about. But the most important thing to note is that sulfites exist uh, in greater quantities in everyday products that we, we eat. So we always use raisins as the example. Raisins have up to 3000 parts per million of sulfites, whereas a, a modern wine has between 20 and 200 at a maximum. So it's not the sulfites giving you the hangover. It's it's most probably excess alcohol and dehydration. Um, Antonia, so if I was to say to you, I've seen wines that have no added sulfites on the label. Will you explain that for me, please? So in the winery, winemakers use sulfur dioxide as an antioxidant and an antimicrobial to protect the grapes, to protect the most and the wine from bacterial spoilage, oxidation and so on. Um, so some winemakers choose to use less or more. Um, some winemakers are of the opinion that excess sulfur dioxide will mute the flavour, the character of the wine. And uh, and so people who, or winemakers who, who, who use minimal sulfur dioxide will pro- most probably want to convey that in the label by saying no added sulfites. In other words, we have the minimal amount of sulfites possible in this wine. Moving on, the punt. Does the depth of the punt indicate anything in relation to the quality of the wine? 
Okay, so this is, um, if you don't know what we're talking about, grab a bottle of wine right now, this second, no matter what you're doing, just drop what you're doing and grab a bottle of wine and see if there is a dimple or an indent in the, the bottom of the wine. And this is known as the punt, P-U-N-T. So basically, <laughs> thanks for the spelling lesson, Linda. <laughs> you learn loads here. Uh, so basically, if you... If you, it's it's great for, you know, if you're in a restaurant and they come over in the fancy sommelier is pouring you a bottle and I have a bottle of wine here and it has a small indent. So basically, you know, I'm able to hold it kind of fancy looking and pour oh, yeah. a drop um, for me, not you. And um, basically it doesn't indicate quality, but there's a lot of different things of why it is on a bottle. Um, and the first reason, I suppose, would be that um, to hold sediment, if it's a red bottle of wine, that the he- sediment would hold at the bottom. I heard that it was the winemaker's ego, the bigger, the deeper the punt, the bigger the winemaker's ego. <laughs> <laughs> Have you anything else to add? Yeah, no, just like you said, there are a yeah, few no. theories. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> there are a few theories, as you say, uh, around this. Um, one of them was um, that it created the optical illusion of the bottle being bigger and more expensive and more expensive yeah yeah. and the other one was um, that it allowed the wine to be chilled faster because uh, of a greater surface area all right okay yeah Um, I think the most and and then of course there's the whole issue of making it easier to pour Um, but I think the most plausible one is that it catches sediment especially for an aged wine um, and it kind of marks the threshold below which you shouldn't pour the wine due to the presence of the sediment. Cork taint, or what does it mean when a wine is corked? Or if a wine is corked, can I? do I need to chuck it? Okay, <laughs> very common question. Um, first of all, I want to say what a few people have said to me, you know, is a wine corked if, there's bits of, if they break the cork and there's bits of cork floating in the glass? or the bottle and they pour it, is that like, you know, spoiled and they can't drink it? No, it isn't. You know, that's basically just a a dried out cork that's broken and it isn't going to cause you any harm whatsoever. Just sieve it out and you'd be grand. So don't be worrying about that. That is not cork taint. Would you believe I had a cork tainted wine last night? Oh. Mm, It's very, it's not that common. And I had one last night and it was fantastic because I was at a wine tasting and you know, we were able to, the, the guy presenting the course was able to say, this is the corked wine. So everyone got to smell it mm-hmm. and taste it because it's not going to kill you. Like, you know, um, it's just not that pleasant. And it tasted and smelled like kind of musty, like cardboard. And that's, it was very subtle. It was quite subtle. But, you know, some people wouldn't have even noticed. Mm-hmm. But obviously myself and, and the presenter knew that it was corked. Mm-hmm. And a couple of people were like, I'm not sure about this wine. And that's um, basically, that's the kind of no, nose and aromas that you would get from a corked wine. Um, but you probably have a much more technical spiel on this. Antonio. Well, if you want the technical um, take on this, when a fungi is treated with chlorinated compounds, uh, which is basically, don't be putting your <laughs> head in your hands, Linda. This Where's is this real fungi? Um, the fungi, yeah. So no, basically this happens when fungi is treated with basic uh, antimicrobial uh, compounds in the processing of wood in the winery. So your barrels, your pallets, your wooden pallets and so on. And that chemical reaction that takes place creates can create this 
issue of cork taint. Its official name is trichloroanisole. <laughs> Will you remember like a, that one? No. It sounds like a dinosaur. <laughs> it actually sounds like a dinosaur. Trapezophysalis. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's what I said. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, and that and it, this creates this this mouldy, damp, wet, you know, cardboard, wet dog kind of a musty aroma that you mentioned. The big topic, Linda, tips on buying. You know, just generally, we have a lot of people who ask us, what should I buy? Um, you know, what price point? Is this good quality? What region should I go for? What grape variety? Have you got general tips on buying? Okay, the shorter long version, I'll try and keep to the short version. So basically, I would say, first of all, if you are looking to buy wine for yourself, okay, because we're going to get into buying wine in restaurants and all that later on. So basically, you're going into an off license and you want to buy a bottle of wine for yourself. The first thing I'd say is stop. Look where you're going into and try and go and make friends with your independent, local independent wine shop. Okay, the staff in these shops are trained, qualified and usually have an interest in in selling wine that they enjoy themselves. So if you can go and instead of going to your local garage, picking up a bottle when you're going to get some petrol, they sell petrol. They don't necessarily have an expertise in wine. So go and make friends with your local independent. Try to figure out what kind of grapes you like or flavours you like. So if you like um, kind of richer, full-bodied, uh, toasty kind of white wines, you're probably looking for an oak Chardonnay. What isn't going to float your boat in that uh, is going to be a Pinot Grigio if you prefer full-bodied, oaky, buttery, creamy Chardonnay. So if somebody hands you Pinot Grigio, you're not going to love it. So I would say get familiar with what turns you on <laughs> in terms of aromas and flavours and, and what you like to do. So do you like to just drink wine on its own or do you always have it with some food, your dinner, your spaghetti bolognese, your burger, whatever it may be? And and pick a wine to suit that. Um, don't get too bogged down in the vintage um, unless you're spending €25 Euro plus or it's a gift. Can I stop you there for a you second? You can, of course. I 100% agree with you. I think this is so important to understand your tastes and your preferences. I am the wine specialist for Donnybrook Fair. And um, what we did with our new flagship store in Dundrum is um, we laid out, uh, I decided that we were going to lay out our wines by style. And, and mm-hmm. we were talking about flavours and styles in general. So that we would be able to differentiate between, um, you know, the different styles within white wines, within red wines and help the consumer or the customer to to, um, you know, to a range of wines, to wine options. Not just the Sauvignon Blanc. Not just exactly. A.K.A., you know. Yeah. The whole premise of it is to guide them, to give to offer them some some tools with which to select a wine that's within their preference. So. You know, instead of going to the same safe bet, mm-hmm. you know, you can go to a section, uh, a style that basically captures your your taste and be presented with a range of options. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, in, within the whites, crisp and lean, 
aromatic and floral, you know, rich and toasty like the one you just yeah. described and so on. And so um, I do think it's important to really understand your, your style and your taste and, and, you know, get involved in wine tastings. Go to those wine tastings because even if you don't like every wine you're, you're presented with or that you have to taste on the night, you will you'll be so surprised, so pleasantly surprised with a wine that you thought you'd never like. I mean, I don't know how many times I've done wine tastings with customers and they've said, oh, my God, that, that Riesling is amazing. Oh, and my I God, I thought, was just going yeah. to say Riesling. Yeah, Riesling. because there's a Riesling mm. for everyone as far as I'm concerned. Sure. I know sommeliers always say it's a, an amazingly safe bet in a restaurant, but you can get like truck and dry styles or you can get really, really sweet ones that are served with dessert. So a really great uh, wine, t- great variety to try is Riesling. Um, and, you know, 100% get familiar with what you do like and what you don't like. But bear in mind, you know, that your taste can change over time as well. So don't say I never will drink that or, you know, be open to changing, uh, changing your mind about uh, trying new things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In wine shops as well, you're, in your local garage, you're not going to get to taste wines. In wine shops, Friday, Saturday, they've started to open up wine bottles for consumers to go in and taste. So really, you know, don't be afraid or intimidated and just go in and make friends with them and tell them your budget. Tell them, I want to spend around this. And they may try to get you to upsell a little bit, but it'll be worth it. And then you'll be best pals and you'll be going back for more and more and more. That's me based on having worked in wine retail for like over 10 years. And it's just make friends with me. Yeah. There are other few practical things, I think, mm-hmm. that that customers can, can watch out for when choosing a wine. Um, look out for value for money regions. I think this is a really important one because we all know there's parts of the world that produce expensive wines as a whole, as mm-hmm. a rule. So France in general, but specifically Burgundy and Bo- mm-hmm. Bordeaux, even parts of Loire. Yeah, Champagne. like Sancerre, like, you know, yeah. so if you love a Sancerre Sauvignon Blanc, maybe look, Puy Fume is quite expensive as well, but across the river and in the whole area of Loire, you're getting better value from a place like Touraine. You get the same grape, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's worth exploring. Absolutely. Other uh, up and coming regions that are offering brilliant quality for your book are, well, Portugal mm-hmm. has to be mentioned here. I mean, from north to south, um, a fabulous variety of styles in both whites and reds. Parts of Spain like uh, Yecla, Jumilla, Utiel, Requena. Um, and if I was to say, <laughs> if I was to say those regions, Yecla, Y-E-L-C-A, Yelumba, Jamila, <laughs> Jamila, Jamila. Yeah, you know. Um, um, yeah, no, I mean, obviously, Spain is still offering a lot of value for money. Parts of Italy have to be mentioned, especially as you go down south. Yeah. Sicily and Puglia and Calabria and all these regions and, and these grape varieties, fabulous grape varieties. Italy has so many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Primitivo, Negro Maro, yeah. all those. Kind yeah, Grillo, Fiano. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so many options in Italy. Um, I think even parts of Germany and things like that are really I coming know, on. Uh, Germany is a whole other I topic know, as yeah, people are afraid field. of it. So yeah. we'll get into that again. But just basically the point is, try not go to the obvious. You know, I mean, there are always, you know, better priced alternatives to what you're looking for. I mean, if you're into, a, say, for example, a nice Pinot Noir from Burgundy, you're going to pay huge money for a good one. Um well, you, I'm actually going to recommend in the wine recommendations of Pinot Noir. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. That is not going to break the bank. OK, great. Um, but you might opt for another grape variety. I mean, look, you could go for 
a, you're, you're basically going for a lighter style of red with a little bit of complexity. You might, um, or you might just be looking for a juicy red fruit. So you might go to Beaujolais and Gamay, um, but you might also decide to go to New World Pinot Noir, some parts of Chile, the cooler regions of Chile, Itata, Bio Bio, Mayeco. Um, they're all producing really, and Leda, there's a good lovely Leda, Leda, Valley, Leda Valley, yeah, um, are producing gorgeous Pinot Noirs. Um, so there's a lot of options there, a lot of alternatives. Um, yeah. And the other one for me is really like it's worth spending a couple of euro more to get a huge jump in quality these mm-hmm. days, in my opinion, when you take on board excise duty, transport costs, the rising fuel costs, the rising costs of glass to the producers. They, um, yeah. Three times the price of a, of a, a bottle of wine, of an empty bottle, with nothing mm. in it. it. Three times it's yeah. gone up by like. Yeah, it's insane. Bonkers. So it's really difficult to find a good quality wine below a certain price point. And I would argue that minimum price point. It's about 12 quid. I would say 12 euro. Yeah, I definitely would when you add all the margins, importer margins and retailer margins and so on. Um, It's very difficult to find good quality below 12, to be quite honest. And Mm -hmm. if you can push it up to to 15, even better. Um, So price point, I think, is important. Um, And then within each category, you you can always, you know, like we were talking about sparkling wine. There's a huge movement in sparkling wine now at the minute. Um, As with rosé, I mean, rosé is now popular all year round. But again, you don't have to go to your expensive Provence or your expensive Champagne. In sparkling, you have alternatives in, you know, great quality Cava or Cremants, which are both traditional methods. Sparkling Um, Albarino. Mm -hmm. Sparkling, exactly. Sparkling Albarino. uh, Albarino. yeah, so there's a lot of alternatives and, and you, you know, the more, you, as you said, Linda, the more you talk to your independent retailers um, and the more kind of tastings you go to, you, you, you'll just, it'll open up your world. Okay, let's do this for 30 seconds. Okay, go quick. Okay. So, Antonia, you don't know about this, but I have decided to throw, you know, this is everything you want to know about wine, part one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have a little game for you. Are you ready? No. <laughs> Okay, so I've got a little egg timer here. Go on. Uh, inspired by my kids playing playing board games with my kids, okay? So okay. I'm going to throw out, I'm going to make a mess of this, I know. But anyway, I'm going to throw out a few, I've got cards here that describe either a region, a place, a fact about wine. I'm going to describe them as best I can, as quick as I can. So you, the listener, if you know the answer, throw out, scream out the answer, okay? All right. You ready? Go. Okay. No, go. Okay. This is a style of sparkling wine that has f- lots of pressure in it, so it goes when we Champagne. open it. No, um, traditional it, method. It, no, it's from Italy. It's from Italy, and it's made with the, a grape called Glera Prosecco. Yeah, but what's the style? So it's like fully sparkling. It's not romantic. Yes, thank you. Okay, <laughs> okay. So this is a white grape from Greece. Um, Certainly. Yes, thank you. Uh, so this is a grape from South Africa that is a crossing of Pinotage. Okay, it's a crossing of Pinot Noir and Cinso, and, so, and the the answer is Pinotage. Okay, mm-hmm. slow down so people can learn something. Oh, sorry. Um, okay, so <laughs> okay, so this is a grape again, and the white grape from Italy, but it is also a cheese, and it's a white grape, and it's also a cheese. Pecorino. And, oh, excellent. Okay, so this is um, there's a devil. Okay, so it's a country, it's a little place, and it <laughs> Tasmania. The, the Tasmanian right. devil, love it. Okay. Um, oh, the yeah. timer's up. Okay. What? Yeah, You're, sorry. How is anyone supposed to learn anything? In because I spoke about, Assertico is a grape okay, from Greece. Good. 
Pinotage is a grape from Okay, do another South one. South Africa. Go, go, go. Okay, hit me. You do it to me. Okay, ready? Wait, wait, Sure, you wait. know that one. Well, I'm just... Okay. Here, there's loads more, look. Hit okay. me. Oh, no, I'll hit you. Ready? Okay, so turn the timer around. Ah, this is again. One I love. It's a sherry. It's a style of sherry. It's the dry one. It's aged Chino. on the floor. Uh, what is this? Oh, a region in South Africa. Uh, one of the Appalachians is in the coastal region. It's one of the better Stel- known ones. Stellenbosch. This is... No, I don't want to ask you that. Oh. Okay. No, I don't want to ask you that either. Why? Wait now. Uh, okay. This is a grape variety from Portugal. It's one of the grape varieties that are used to make port, but also increasingly a lot of the still red wines. Triga National. Yes. Uh, okay, this is another grape variety that is one of the Bordeaux uh, varieties, as we call it. It's um, Cabernet Franc. Yes, but what 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 makes a Cabernet Franc Cabernet Franc? Oh no, we don't have what? time for this. Okay. We'll have to go into grape varieties another time. Time is up. Okay, so we're going to play the game again. Okay. Are you ready? Hit if me. you listeners are you know sh- walking down the street and you know these answers, shout them out. It's fine. <laughs> Just say I'm listening to Wine the Long and Short of It podcast. Um, tune in and you'll be able to answer too. Okay, you ready? Yes. Timer starts. Go. Now, d- this place is known as Disneyland for adults. Las Vegas. No, it's to do with wine for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Ow. Go. Um, no, you need to get this. Okay, so it's, it's hot. It's hot, hot, hot. Makes really full Can you tell me something about wine? Uh, the, the wine the, element. No, it doesn't matter. What is it? It's Napa Valley. Oh, okay. Okay, so this is a region in France that makes a grape called Malbec. Cahor. Cahor. They call uh, it cot in France. They call it cot in France. Okay, so this is a little pest that ruined and destroyed uh, vineyards. Phylloxera. Oh, How sexy is that? Okay, so this is... I have more questions. Um, the, known as... It's a red grape from Italy known as the king of grapes. Oh, that would have to be Nebbiolo. Yes, it would. Makes the fabulous Barolo wines. Okay, mm-hmm. and this is, uh, oh, hold on, uh, this smells like roses and Turkish delights, a white grape from Alsace. Gewürztraminer. Love it. Okay, fabulous. Time. Okay, we will cover grape varieties in another episode, in various episodes, I imagine. Old world, new world. Yeah. Everything. There's Everything. so much. So much to cover, Linda. To cover, I think we have got episodes that will last forever. Just once we don't fall out. forever. And ever. And ever, ever. And ever, ever. Never, ever, ever, ever. (laughs) Wine recommendations, Linda. We're going to try and offer one in every episode or we will offer one in every episode. So what's your wine recommendation for this week? Um, My recommendation this week is a Romanian Pinot Noir, uh, Papa Ruda. And I absolutely adore this wine. I've shown it at my virtual wine tastings. And um, people go and pick a bottle up themselves and it retails between 12 and 14 euro. And it's from Romania. Like, I mean, people are like, what? They make wine in Romania? Yes, they do. It is juicy, fruity, low tannin, um, gorgeous cherry notes, raspberry, all of that. And it's available in a lot of independent wine merchants between some have it for 10 euro. Just Judevin in Port Marnock is one that has it for 10. I think it's because my mother-in-law drinks an awful lot of it that they... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they buy it in bulk for her in particular. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, other shops have it for, for 14. So they're taking a lower margin and others have it for 14. But I really do think it's worth it. Um, Romanian Paparuda Pinot Noir. Uh, check it out. Great recommendation. 
Well, I like it myself and it would be a wine I would have in the house absolutely for anyone who is new to Pinot Noir or is moving away from white wine and trying to get into red. It's a lovely little stepping stone into red because it's not too full bodied or anything. Great, great recommendation. My Thanks. my recommendation for this week has to be in a, because I, I just have to give her a shout out and Besides the fact that I absolutely adore her wines a little bit more on the premium side, it must I be said. I think, are you going to talk about a lady called Roisin? I am. <laughs> Roisin Curley, MW. She is my mentor on the Master of Wine programme. And I mean, she's just a gorgeous, gracious woman and uh, so accomplished. She's turning out just gorgeous Burgundian wines. And the one I want to shout out today is the Aligote. Um, it's absolutely gorgeous. Aligote plays second fiddle to Chardonnay. Obviously, you know, when people think Burgundy, they think Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. 100%. You that, kind of forget about yeah. Aligote. A lot of people don't even know what Aligote yeah. is. And to be honest with you, in its own right or just in a simple varietal form, it's just, um, it's quite neutral in character. But Roisin handles it so beautifully. Um, she puts it in used French oak for 22 months. Um she she told me that the, 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 so the latest vintage she has is the 2019 and she said it was quite a warm vintage. So the Aligote ripened beautifully, but she just handles her wine, her grapes with so much care. I mean, she's a micro negotiant, so she she works with growers, but she has great relationships with her growers. And um, she said the Aligote ripened beautifully. And uh, yeah, she has made this gorgeous, elegant, crisp rounded Aligote and honest to God you could be you could be drinking a top notch uh, Burgundian Burgundy. and I think it's only thirty four ninety nine. and I know you're probably saying God that's that's an expensive wine but for the quality honest to God you could put it next to you know 60, 70 euro or more you'd you know, want to see Burgundy. my face for right now yeah. I'm like is yeah. that all it is I know. for the quality that that wine it was yeah. stunning it's, it's a stunning, stunning wine yeah. we didn't say how great we are yeah okay little bit of background on us um, so, Linda, I'll talk about you. You uh, have a WSET diploma and you won the best tasting paper in the country the year that you sat your exams, which is no mean feat. In fact, it's quite well, incredible. Well, I had to practice a lot, Antonia. I mean, I had to taste and drink. I mean, taste as much wine as possible. For I'm that sure exam. you did, Linda. But it paid off. <laughs> did. And here I am. <laughs> and not alone that, you've run your own business, uh, Wine Tasting Ireland and a class of wine, um, delivering you know exceptional wine tastings to consumers have up and down the country. Them? Yes, actually, I have. <laughs> yeah, Do you not remember? Yes, and they're fantastic and they're so informative and engaging. And you really know how to talk to, to the consumer about wine. And people always take amazing things away from your tastings. So... I'm yeah, here, you are seriously qualified to be uh, giving tips and advice to to our listeners. And Antonia, well, what can I say about you? You are just, you know, an inspiration of a businesswoman who is. <laughs> uh, you're just, you're just fascinating because you're always looking for the next thing to work on. And um, I, I think Antonio might have insanity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he might have an app coming in the next few years as well that you're going to create uh, to help wine lovers. Don't be but giving away my ideas. I think you're mad. But anyway, uh, but you are mad and you are mad because you're studying for the Master of Wine. You're at level two now. Stage two. Yeah. Stage two mm-hmm. of the Master of Wine, which is, you know, absolutely like the mo- the highest level that you can go in terms of, of wine education. And 
what are there, 420 at the moment, Masters of Wine in the world. More people have been in space, folks, than our Masters of Wine. Um, and I think that's unbelievable. So we've very different backgrounds. We've very different experience. But I think together, hopefully that people will see that we can, you know, give them what they want. You, the consumer, you, the listener. Um, and be sure to share with your friends and colleagues that are interested in wine our podcast because, you know, we're doing it for you, aren't we, Antonia? We are. We are exactly. And uh, I think it's just a combined passion and an interest in in really, you know, sharing useful information to consumers. Or useless. And, and <laughs> useful. <laughs> you, no, no, useful. no. You see, the thing is that you can get lots of answers for table quizzes at this as well. <laughs> like Taval is, makes only rosé. Do you know, that was one of the little question things. Did you, you know, know? Did you know? Oh, we've got loads of did you knows coming up as we well. We do. We do. We do. We have lots, lots of content to cover. And um, yeah, we're really excited. We're here for journey. a long time and a good time. On that note, folks, stay tuned. Next episode is everything you want to know about wine. Part two, we might have to do a part three and a part four, but we have lots and lots of topics to cover. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. You have been listening to Wine, the long and the short of it with me, Antonia Dominguez. And me, Linda Coogan. Subscribe to and share our podcast with your wine-loving friends. Cheers. Cheers.